This is the reflection for day nine of Christmas. The fourth century bishops, ascetics, monks, scholars, and rhetoricians Basil the Great and Gregory of Nazianzen were best friends who worked together to help pioneer both monastic communities and the doctrine of the Trinity, especially as it relates to the Holy Spirit being God. Rather than living by themselves, which, which seemed a more spiritual, spiritual route at the time to some, they elected to live in community with other like-minded Christians in Cappadocia. It is to me no surprise that two people dedicated to community should help develop the doctrine of the Trinity. Part of the reason the Church is called to live together is to manifest the nature of the Godhood itself in which Father, Son, and Holy Ghost love one another and glorify and serve each other. We will never totally understand this mystery at the very heart of God, but if we obey Him and serve one another, we can bring it to bear on the world and allow it to transform, often very slowly, our broken human relationships into images of the divine nature. Rather than write a full reflection for today, I've taken the following uh, translated excerpt of St. Gregory's writings. So here's St. Gregory. Basil and I were both in Athens. We had come like streams of a river from the same source in our native land, had separated from each other in pursuit of learning, and were now united again as if by plan, for God had so arranged it. I was not alone at that time in my regard for my friend, the great Basil. I knew his irreproachable conduct and the maturity and wisdom of his conversation. I sought to persuade others, to whom he was less well known, to have the same regard for him. Many fell immediately under his spell, for they had already heard, him, heard of him by reputation and hearsay. What was the outcome? Almost alone of those who had come to Athens to study, he was exempted from the customary, customary ceremonies of initiation, for he was held in higher honor than his status as a first-year student seemed to warrant. Such was the prelude to our friendship, the kindling of that flame that was to bind us together. In this way, we began to feel affection for each other. When in the course of time we acknowledged our friendship and recognized that our ambition was the life of true wisdom, we became everything to each other. We shared the same lodging, the same table, the same desires, the same goal. Our love for each other grew daily warmer and deeper. The same hope inspired us, the pursuit of learning. This is an ambition especially subject to envy. Yet between us there was no envy. On the contrary, we made capital out of our rivalry. Our rivalry, rivalry consisted not in seeking the first place for oneself, but in yielding it to the other, for we each looked on the other's success as his own. We seem to be two bodies with a single spirit. Though we cannot believe those who claim that everything is contained in everything, yet you must believe that in our case, each of us was in the other and with the other. Our single object and ambition was virtue and a life of hope and the blessings that are to come. We wanted to withdraw from this world before we departed from it. With this end in view, we ordered our lives and all our actions. We followed the guidance of God's law and spurred each other on to virtue. If it is not too boastful to say, we found in each other a standard and rule for discerning right from wrong. Different men have different names, which they owe to their parents or to themselves, that is, to their own pursuits and achievements. But our great pursuit, the great name we wanted, was to be Christians, to be called Christians.